Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Subi and You podcast. As you can see by the title, I have primitive racing on the podcast. Uh, I'm super excited about that. I talked to uh, Blake from Primitive and uh, we get into the business and the products and then also, um, you know, what they're doing besides just skid plates. So it's pretty cool to hear about that too. The other cool thing is this is episode 20. It's crazy that we're already here. Uh, it seems like I just started this thing. And uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for all the support and for all the Subi love and everything that you do for um, the community and for the podcast. Okay, so not only do I have Primitive Racing on the podcast and it being episode 20, but this week's episode is brought to you by Primitive Racing. Primitive Racing is a manufacturer and retailer of high-quality parts and accessories for Subarus, boasting a complete lineup of skid plates, lift kits, and a huge inventory of the unrivaled King Springs. Primitive has been making innovative products and accumulating a catalog of unique and hard-to-find solutions. They also have the knowledge and experience to make recommendations to meet the needs of the ever-growing segment of Subaru off-road enthusiasts. Check them out at git-primitive.com. You can find a link to the website in the Primitive Racing Instagram page. And also, you'll be able to find a link for their website in the um, show notes for this episode. When I was recording this episode with Blake a few weeks ago, I was surprised to find out that he was a fan and listener of the podcast, which I thought was really cool. Uh, so Blake was kind enough to send me a full set of skid plates for Pearl as a show of support for the podcast. So huge shout out to you, Blake, and to Primitive Racing for doing that for me, um, you know, in your support of the podcast. And thank you for being my first sponsor of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. That's super awesome. All right, now we'll get into a little bit of news. Uh, we've got some Soft Road Nation news, just one little announcement. Snake in My Boots has made his way permanently um, to Arizona, and he is also one of the Soft Road Nation Arizona chapter heads. So congrats on your move and uh, wish you well out there in Arizona, and we look forward to seeing what comes about with the Soft Road Nation Arizona family. And I've also got a little bit of news, um, some Pretty big news, actually. It's big for John, a.k.a. Sue Wisconsibly. He wants to announce Subaru Flat Fest, that they're currently in the process of securing sponsors for both the August 7th event at the Madison International Speedway, as well as for the second annual Flat Fest Overland Trip on September 24th through the 26th. Subaru Flatfest is the Midwest's largest Subaru charity event, bringing together Subaru enthusiasts from across the nation to support the Dane County Humane Society and the American Family Children's Hospital. Corporate and business sponsors, as well as individual and club sponsorship opportunities are available. Please message uh, Subaru underscore Flatfest, and that's F-L-4-T-F-E-S-T, or sue Wisconsibly for more information and mark your calendars for your trip to Wisconsin. This next bit of news is a reminder that Rugged Roo Crew is doing a cruise for a cause. Seattle Veterinary Outreach is a local nonprofit dedicated to mobile veterinary care uh, so that homeless people and their pets can thrive together. 
Rugged Roo Crew members will be riding to the Oregon Gambler 500, a drive to clean the earth up while exploring the back roads on June 25th through the 27th with a donated project car as well as following along in personal vehicles. Um, they're using this drive as a fundraising opportunity to help a local nonprofit who loves pets just as much as they do. They will be selling special edition shirts and bandanas with 100% of the proceeds going to the Seattle Veterinary Outreach. Thank you to their great partners at the Roy Robinson Subaru in Marysville for covering costs of goods so that they can give as much as possible to the Seattle Veterinary Outreach. If you would like to purchase shirts or bandanas, please DM Rugged Roo Crew on Instagram for placing orders and learning how to pay and do- or donate to their cause. Stay tuned for other rides and events that Rugged Roo Crew will be holding in the near future. Okay, that's it for the news. Uh, as always, I want to say thank you to everybody for listening to the podcast in the first place, for sending me DMs, for sharing it, for letting people know about it, and for all my guests, of course. And thank you to the community for giving the support to these guests that have been on the podcast. Uh, I know it really means a lot to them and it means a lot to me. And it's really cool to see how this project is getting out there and more and more people are finding out about it. Uh, Also remember that if you want to support the podcast and purchase a decal, you can find that uh, in the link in my bio. And now for a couple of shout outs, let's give a shout out to Xtrek called Atlas and Lady Wagon. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast and for your support. I uh, also want to give another huge shout out to Blake at Primitive for being a guest on the podcast and also for supporting and sponsoring the podcast by giving me a set of skid plates. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Blake and Primitive Racing. And it's and it's been popular. The Subaru stuff has been popular here, um, basically since the WRX came out. I would say it's at least that's when it caught my attention. Um, being, you know, young, impressionable, eighteen-year-old, um, two thousand two, when the WRX came out, that was like the coolest thing that you could have. And, <laughs> yeah, and so that's that's what I was seeing. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of been the the mainstay in terms of Subaru enthusiasts have been that the WRX platform STIs and that kind of thing. Um, you know, kind of up until you know, really 2015, 16 and the off-road stuff started to kind of gain traction. Yeah, I've heard all of that is is actually relatively new, like all the overlanding and everything. Um, I mean, I know Subarus have been around for a long time and I didn't really, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I knew they existed, but I didn't really pay too much attention to them until I saw a Crosstrek back in 2013. And, uh, I was like, yep, that's maybe yeah. what I want someday. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they came out with the Crosstrek in 2013 and, there's been a lot of vehicles like it from other manufacturers. I mean, I remember I had, I had a job working at a Honda dealership out of high school and they brought out the Honda element and it, it, you know, it's obviously not the same as a cross track, 
Yeah. But it has a lot of similar elements to it. <laughs> and uh, element. Yeah. Yeah. No pun. <laughs> no pun intended there. But um, you know, like kind of plastic fender moldings, and you know, kind of had this off-road utility. But n- no one that never really like took off that didn't become like a movement like the subaru off-road overlanding thing yeah the, uh, for sure the element was you know kind of like most cars it was more of like an appliance like a you know like your accord or your camry kind of thing yeah where and then i think a lot of people dismissed the cross trek when it came out as being something similar to that and it's like it's just another car with some black plastic moldings to make it have this off-road feel but no i mean people have taken them you know to you know really far levels of off-roading and modification and there's some pretty wild stuff out there whereas you're not seeing honda elements like that (laughs) yeah no i mean they're good you know they're nice they've got the utility inside and everything with you know the ruggedness and stuff um, but yeah, you're definitely not seeing the what what you would see with the Crosstrek and some of the other types of vehicles like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's kind of a phenomenon. It's the it's really kind of like a rat race right now um, in terms of um, being in the business. There's there's so many new things coming out so often. I mean, the the wheel selection, for example. You know, there is a I, there are so many wheels out for them now that I don't even know about all of them. That's like kind of what we do every day here. Yeah, um, for sure. Whereas you go back to 2013, there was almost nothing. Yeah, it's, so uh, it's just exploded. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of um, products out there for for Subarus, and you know, you like you said, you're just seeing more and more of it. So. um I guess what what kind of puts primitive racing out there in you know like the forefront of things? I mean, what are y'all doing to kind of you know have a strong presence in the market? Yeah, well, I mean, we've been doing it for a long time, and and so we've we're like kind of the original for a lot of this stuff. I mean the the skid plates were were the first thing and kind of go back to the beginning of the company, which was 1998. And, uh, the founder, Paul Eklund, my, uh, predecessor and previous business partner, he started making and selling skid plates for the 2.5 RS all the way back in the nineties. And, um, so that's what started. So our, our roots are kind of firmly embedded in Subaru and uh, Subaru off-road. I mean, certainly you weren't uh, going and doing off-roading in your 2.5 RS back in the 90s, but <laughs> you were going to go and do rally cross. You were going to do a time speed distance rally on a rough forest road, and you wanted to protect that oil pan. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, because it seems like, I know when I first started hearing about primitive racing, uh, I was mostly seeing that, you know, skid plates, skid plates, skid plates. But I know that y'all do more than skid plates. So what other kind of products do, I guess, what other kind of products does 
Primitive Racing actually manufacture? Because it looks like you also have other uh, products on your website that are available. Yeah, we do. We do a lot of suspension packages. Um, we don't necessarily manufacture everything. Um, you know, we don't manufacture struts or shocks. Um, but you know, we we draw on our experience putting these packages together, and you know, get the best components, the best bang for your buck components uh, to build a good suspension system to suit your needs. Because as great as the cars are they they don't meet everybody's needs right off the factory floor yeah 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 especially if somebody buys one because they have a specific need or want or desire to go um do some somewhat extreme things with them gotta protect them for sure yeah i mean so the so the biggest thing is definitely the skid plates that is that is our product we we make, you know, every part of the skid plates and, you know, have designed them. They've, they've evolved over the years. The, the newest generation of skid plates have a bunch of cool features and are like super easy to install and, you know, change your oil and that kind of thing. Um, you know, some of the older stuff is still primitive, <laughs> um, not only in name. <laughs> But, you know, it's going to protect your stuff. Um, But the suspension packages, you know, we do almost as much of that stuff um, in terms of sales. We uh, were the Kingspring importer. Okay. For the United States. Oh, nice. So we do a lot of these Kingsprings. They're manufactured in Australia. And... You know, it's something that we've done for a long time, not as long as the skid plates, but um, we've done them since I started uh, working here in 2009, basically. And it's something that's evolved for us. I mean, we we started carrying them because they had they had a stiffer than stock spring, but that was stock ride height. And so that was cool for like your rally racer. You put a little bit stiffer spring on there and get a little bit more um, handling performance for doing your rally cross or your recce or your, um, road rally kind of thing. And then they also offered some raised height springs for some of the different models. And so that was like one more notch in height and you get a little bit more performance from a stiffer spring and then that added ground clearance. And, and that has evolved like the skid plates over time. Um, we've worked with King to develop some different springs that are they've they've made just for us that are only available through us and um we've built lift kits and stuff for some of the newer models that uh feature those um primitive spec king springs in them okay and for the king springs does it just replace the stock spring or are there other components that go along with that because I'm not really too familiar with it, and I know some other people listening might not be either, so that'd be some good information to know kind of what all is included with that, and then like what it replaces, and I guess what the difficulty level is of of doing that um, swap out. Yeah. um, For the older cars, it was just a straight spring kit. So um, it would be similar to doing lowering springs, um, which was 
which was popular at one time, not as popular anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you unbolt your struts and your shocks and you take off the stock springs and you put in the king springs. So yeah, it's it's a direct swap. On the lift kits that we do that feature the king springs, it's a kit. And so there's there are springs and in the rear usually there's a shock extension um to kind of even out where the shock sits at in its stroke and then there's some spacers for the rear subframe to get your rear alignment back in back in a reasonable zone and and sometimes there's some spacers for the strut top to get everything leveled out but um yeah it's kind of like an all-inclusive kit Okay. And uh, so what are the spacers that are used for the alignment and like where do those go and how do they work? So basically you you space the subframe in the rear down um, with lifting it. So if you lift it by an inch and a quarter, you space the subframe down by an inch and a quarter. Okay. And then that all those relationships are the same as when it was stock. And so you know that's that's kind of how Subaru does it. You know, like if you buy, if you buy, let's say, an Impreza, an Impreza doesn't have a lift kit on it. It's it's like the subframe sits up against the body. But then if you buy a Crosstrek, the Crosstrek basically has a lift kit on it from Subaru. Gotcha. And so those subframe spacers, Subaru actually uses the same thing to space their subframe down when when we do the lift kit like on a cross track basically so you just put another spacer in there okay gotcha and uh so i guess kind of going back to the beginnings of primitive racing where did the name come from yeah i mean i i feel like i i asked paul and i'm not really sure um, one of the <laughs> logos, the, the early kind of logo is this, uh, is this primitive lizard creature he called the thunder lizard. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's part of it. And I mean, I think he started primitive, um, kind of before he was even really involved with Subarus. It was, he was an autocrosser and I think you know, it may have been like even in the early 90s, he just called it primitive racing before it, it was a business or even a thought of starting a business. Yeah. And and then he did some pretty serious autocross, some national championship type of stuff in the later 90s. And then after that, he got asked to navigate in a rally car. So the code as the co-driver in a rally car, you have a driver and a co-driver. And so he co-drove for somebody in a Subaru and that was kind of his introduction to Subaru. And that was like, I think it moved ahead pretty quickly from there. He thought, you know, he didn't have a high opinion of Subarus in 96 kind of when all that first started and, you know, his experience in that kind of changed it. And, you know, the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. So when he started it up as a business and started doing products, you said it was the skid plates that he started doing first. And was he doing them only for Subarus back then? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was the skid plates were always 
um, Subaru. Uh, we dabbled in a couple along the way. We did some Suzuki stuff. An employee had a Suzuki SX4, which is actually a pretty comparable to a Crosstrek when they still made them. And uh, we did some Ford Fiesta stuff. We did some Mitsubishi Evo stuff. But yeah, I mean, none of that stuff really ever st- stuck like the Subaru stuff. I mean, it's been it, it consistently popular. Yeah, because um, yeah, if you look on the website, if you depending on what year you select, I think it was maybe back in 2018, you do see some other brands. And then I think it's 2019 yeah. and up, it's all Subaru. So do y'all not offer those anymore or is it just, you're just kind of phasing it out? Yeah. I mean, we still have, we still have the capability to make all of those skid plates still. I mean, you know, it would, it would kind of jog my memory and maybe add a day to order time, but yeah, we would still do all that stuff. Um, it's just, you know, it's kind of the way that, um, the nature of the business you know, people come to us for the Subaru stuff and, you know, people aren't necessarily, well, I mean the, in the case of like the Suzuki or even the Evo, they don't make those cars anymore. So they're just, you know, pretty few and far between. Yeah. So it makes sense. It's also, I mean, there's with all of the overlanding going on with Subarus, there's a, a big demand for it too. So that's, a good push to say, you know, Hey, let's just focus on Subaru. And that's kind of where his roots were anyway. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it, like the RAV4 market, I think is starting to, to, to heat up kind of like the Subaru stuff. And, you know, there's a chance that we make some RAV4 stuff. Uh, You know, the reality for us right now is we're so busy doing the Subaru stuff that there isn't any time for us to focus on, you know, trying to break into a new market. Yeah. Um, One of the other things that Paul did originally, which we don't, which we don't do anymore was, uh, these body kits and, uh, we, we don't have any of the stuff anymore, but, um, you know, this was like the fast and the furious era. You know, <laughs> 2002 is when the original film yeah. was like a huge hit. And man, there were some like of these ridiculous body kits and stuff that Paul was importing from China. And, uh, when I started, we still had quite a bit of that stuff, but over the years we, we've got rid of, we've gotten rid of some of it, um, you know, ended up in the dumpster. Some of it, you know, we got people to take for pennies on the dollar, but it was always kind of a interesting thing that, um, you know, being, being in the rally scene with Paul, and, you know, I'd look at the old website that he used to have and think, oh, well, all these guys do is body kits. And then, you know, when I started to work for him, realized, you know, hey, we we don't really do much of that stuff anymore. I mean, it's all like this rally stuff and skid plate stuff. Yeah. And so when you talk about skid plates, what are the different types of skid, skid plates? Because I know there's um, I know about the one in the front. I know the other ones too, but I guess for people listening, kind of go over the different types of skid plates and what they are used for and what they protect. Yeah. So, so a skid plate is, is essentially protection for the bottom of your car. Um, the primary one would always be the engine. Um, so it would go under the front engine bay of the car uh, to protect 
the oil pan essentially it's a pretty vulnerable part of the car most of the oil pans on the subarus are a pretty thin stamped steel and you know if you dent it in the wrong spot that can be uh potentially catastrophic and then yeah you know if you puncture it then you're going to lose all of your oil in a matter of moments and uh you know you're going to be stranded the the other skid plates uh, that we've done for a long time that we we do one for the rear differential um and so that basically just covers the rear differential they're a smaller you know smaller footprint like um two foot by six inch plate essentially that covers the bottom of the differential and you know that that kind of streamlines the bottom of the car and uh creates a nice place to jack the car up um probably not needed for uh anything but you know guys that are really going off road or racing in the gravel or in the rally cross stuff so is the differential does it have like a thin type of um shrouding too how can that get damaged if you're going off-road well we have had a couple of customers report that they broke their differential but it, it is a pretty rob- robust piece of uh of cast iron basically so it's is not super vulnerable but um if you put the diff skid plate down there it it makes it so you're not getting hung up on things Okay. You know, if you're truly catching on rocks and, you know, a breakover, um, you know, a washout kind of situation. And uh, and it will also sit level kind of with the bottom of the exhaust. So it can save a ton of damage to the exhaust, which runs right next to the differential right there. And yeah, especially on the rally cars, the exhaust um, get really hammered right there. <laughs> yeah, that would be helpful then for sure. That's cool. Yeah, and then the third skid plate that we that we make, and it's something that we just introduced since I started working for the company in 2009. It's kind of like one of the first products I got to design back when I first started working here for the, you know, the then newly released 2010 Outback with the CVT. Yeah. And so we made a transmission skid plate because the CVT, like the like the engine has a thin stamp steel oil pan on the bottom of it. And, you know, being kind of in the middle of the car, it's, it's pretty vulnerable. And we've heard some kind of horror stories of people, <laughs> it, it, you know, not even, not even necessarily punching a hole in it, but they hit it in the right spot and it'll damage a solenoid. Yeah. For that controls the transmission and their car won't move. Oh yeah. That's and bad. then, you know, I have a, I have a screenshot of a receipt for a $14,000 repair bill for a CVT and their Forester. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. And, and I think that's an extreme case. And yeah. And that was a few years ago when the CVTs were still kind of new and the techs didn't really know you know, how to do anything inside of them. So they would just put a new one in either way, being stranded and a big repair bill, you know, it's a pretty good reason to buy a, you know, $175 skid plate. Oh yeah. 
not have to worry about that. Now, is it is that just going to be needed for um, automatic transmissions or also for manuals? Yeah, mostly for the automatics. The manuals, they are tucked up like several inches above where the automatic and then they don't have they don't have that stamp steel oil pan. And so the the manuals are not nearly as vulnerable. Oh, that's good to know because I have a manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, well, that's cool. So um, going to the front skid plate, I know that there are options to um, get the uh, like the oil holes and the Fumoto options. Can you go over and explain that and like why somebody would want to get those as opposed to maybe not getting them? And then what what it takes to change the oil if you don't get those options. Yeah, so there's there's kind of like two there's like two engines that Subaru has used throughout their history. I mean, I, I suppose there's the six cylinder as well, um, which due to the way the the oil filter is configured on a six cylinder, we we don't do an oil hole for that. Okay, it's like sideways, and the hole that you would have to do would be huge, and then it's kind of right at the edge so the plate wouldn't be structurally sound anymore. So we don't do an oil change hole for the six cylinders and then the older EJ equipped Subarus. So, you know, kind of anything, you know, like a 2009 Outback or, you know, all the cross tracks have an FB. Um, so the EJ has the, the drain plug and the oil filter on the bottom. And so we can do, we can do two holes in it, but the hole for the oil oil filter is still pretty big. Yeah. So typically on cars like that, I'll recommend going without the oil change holes. Okay. And because uh, I think it's kind of tricky to change the oil through the holes. Yeah, I would imagine. And uh, and then if you splash a little bit up there, if you're like me, you want to <laughs> take it off and clean it because you don't want that to drip on your garage floor and kick no. you out that you did something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, Where's all this oil coming from? Something. Yeah. Um, but on the newer cars, the with the F series engines, you know, Crosstrex, um, the new Foresters. I mean, everything besides the STI has the F series engines in them now. They have the oil filter up top, and so you can do you can do the oil hole, and you just have one hole. It's about two and a half inches diameter, so a relatively small hole. And you can access um, the Fumoto valve, which will replace your drain plug to change your oil. So you can do the whole oil change without any tools. And, you know, especially on a, a cross tracker, you know, stock height, or if it's lifted, especially, you can do it without even jacking the car up. I think it's pretty convenient. So, what is the Fumoto valve? The Fumoto valve is essentially a ball valve. Um, so I'm trying to think what kind of household thing would have a ball valve on it, but it's a, it's a quarter turn valve. Okay. And so you basically, you turn this lever uh, 90 degrees and it will, it will let all the oil out, um, which I, I understand may, may sound a little bit scary in terms of, uh, you know, letting all the lifeblood out of your engine just by rotating something 90 degrees. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's a really clever design. It has a spring 
and a notch that you have to defeat okay. to get it open. So it's not just going to get knocked. No, and I and I've never had I've never had a customer report that it opened when it wasn't supposed to open. Oh, that's good. So I've never heard of that happening. Um, we do have uh, what's called a lever lock, which is kind of a little black plastic piece that you can slip over the lever and then you can't open it without pulling it off. Okay. Um, so I will say people often get the lever lock. Uh, the valves all come with one, but it's kind of a little, little black plastic thing that, you know, you, you pull it off, it could spring and you could lose it. So we sell a lot of extra ones. Uh, people like that little extra bit of security. I, you know, for myself, I probably wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. And don't you sell uh, one with like a tube or something also? Yeah, we will provide, we, we give you um, a tube with each one. And so you can put that tube on there and then you can drain the oil like directly into a milk jug which I think is pretty cool. So it's like truly like a new, a no mess kind of job. Yeah. Do you, uh, and y'all supply that with all of them? We do. We do. We, we, when they were doing it earlier today, we, we get the Fumoto valves from Fumoto USA. They're Fumoto is a Japanese company. Um, and so they're all made in Japan. We get the valves in and then we put in, kind of an upgraded drain plug gasket that's made out of aluminum, which I prefer to the kind of rubber paper gasket material that they give you. Yeah. And then, and then we give you a six inch piece of vinyl hose so that you can do your changes like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That makes it more convenient. Yeah, I think so. I mean, some of the valves don't have the barb fitting on them um, for some of the older cars. But uh, pretty much all of the newer cars with the F-Series, they have that, uh, they call it a nipple or a barb on the end of the valve. So you can put that hose on there and, you know, make it a pretty, pretty easy oil change. Yeah, yeah. Do y'all have any kind of data, like from reports or anything from customers where they've told you about how they're, you know, maybe they knock their skid plate pretty good and maybe like a way of, kind of calculating how much money you've saved customers from, you know, not busting up their oil pans or poking holes in them and stuff. Yeah. It's an interesting question. I, I don't know how I would be able to calculate that. And, and most of the stuff I would say is pretty anecdotal. So I, you know, I, it would be hard to calculate any kind of dollar savings. Um, but, but I don't think we've had an instance where, someone punctured their oil pan when they had our skid plate. So I can say that, you know, it's like a 100% rate of saved oil pans with the skid plates. No one's put a hole through their plate and through their oil pan, to my knowledge. That's definitely good to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, we've seen some damaged skid plates. I mean, you can, you can crash your car and the skid plate is not going to protect your car from, you know, hitting a guardrail or that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, but you know, kind of normal use, they, uh, they hold up to everything anyone's been able to throw at them so far. 
So it seems like the the differential um, skid plate's probably fairly simple to install because it's a smaller footprint. Um, but what about the the front skid plate? What's the difficulty level on that for the different types of vehicles that you sell them for? The front skid plates are all pretty simple to install. Um, I would say the the ascent would be the the most difficult because. Well, I spent a lot of time designing the Ascent skid plate, and it's and it's kind of like the biggest car Subaru's ever made. Yeah, and so we we uh, we went with that theme when we built the skid plate, you know. But it's still, you know, probably only an hour, including jacking the car up and you know removing all the stock stuff, which which is kind of a majority of the the install time on some of these is removing the stock splash shield and all the plastic clips and stuff like that. But generally it's a, it's really easy to install the front skid plates. Now I've heard of some people taking the stock, um, I guess splash plate off and cutting out the (laughs) shape of the primitive racing skid plate and putting that up there. And then, the uh, the rest of the splash shield. I mean, is that yeah, something I think that you one would... of your? I think you were talking about it with one of your other podcast guests. Yeah, and <laughs> um, like episode two or so, I think. Yeah, that was uh, Josh with Wraith Trek. Yeah, I think that uh, on some of the, I would call them the the primitive kind of the earlier designs. Yeah, people definitely do that. And then, well, I was talking about the ascent. We've included plastic splash shields with those and then like the 2019 and newer forester we have an option that we're working on for those so that you can you know not have to cut up your stock one but yeah yeah we've certainly seen people cut up the stock one to put that back in there um i would i would also note um i haven't had anyone have a failure related to the side being open either oh okay well that's good so i i don't i I myself don't view it as critical you know like my mom's cross track you know i just put the skid plate on there and you know threw the splash shield in the trash and you know there's certainly not like huge adverse effects to not having coverage in that little area yeah so i guess at a minimum um what would you recommend or how would you recommend getting up, getting the car up in the air uh, if you don't have a lift? Or do you, I mean, do you necessarily have to get it up on some kind of, uh, I guess, either jack stands or um, ramps to do it? Or can you do it if, like on the stock Crosstrek or the Forester, can you do it with it sitting on the ground? Yeah, I mean, having it up a little bit is going to make it a lot easier. Um you know, we've seen people use ramps a lot. I think that's a great way to do it. We've seen um, people park them up on blocks of wood. You know, if the block of wood is stable, you know, that's probably an okay way to do it. I, I had a guy in Texas. Well, he painted the Texas flag on his Outback skid plate. <laughs> and he had it parked up on some firewood on the curb. And I wouldn't recommend getting under that. Yeah. But uh, you know, parking it. Uh, straddling a parking curb, that's a pretty good way to do it too. That'll give you an extra clearance and 
you know, the, the sidewalk's pretty stable. Yeah, I heard somebody doing that, like just driving up onto a curb, and then you've got at least half of it up in the air enough that you can um, get under there pretty good. Yeah, and uh, one of the one of the things I've I've noticed everybody doing is using the box we ship it in as your little pad to lay down underneath it. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, kind of protect yourself from being on the ground, and maybe anything yeah. that falls down, it's just going to fall to that. Well, yeah, and then, you know, if you had a little, a creeper, they call it, it's like a, you know, kind of like a moving dolly that you lay on, you can roll under the car. Yeah. Um, But that kind of adds a little bit of height, so you'd have to lift the car a little bit more to do that, but the cardboard doesn't add anything, so you can, you know, you can just slide right under there and do it. Yeah, so I guess it's safe to say that the uh, skid plates are the most sold products. Yeah, yep. And it would be hard for me to um, narrow down which model, but I I would say it would be that 2018 to current Crosstrek. You know, that's the one. You know, we we sell so many of them. I mean, right now we're we're like selling them faster than we can make them almost. <laughs> hey, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. So what is um what would you say some of the other more popular items that are sold? Um it they're the suspension packages. Okay. So so we we do a lot of the we do a lot of the king springs and um you know we'll do them individually, but one of the things that we do quite a bit of and it's a it's a pretty big convenience for kind of the DIY customer um that wants to do the work themselves but doesn't necessarily want to compress the springs we will we'll do that portion of the job for you it costs a little bit more you'd have to buy you have to buy new struts and then all the other components with your springs but if you do that we can put them all together for you and then you get you know kind of in the auto parts store world they would call it a quick strut okay and so you can take it relatively simple to take a strut off you know everyone's kind of got the tools to do that if they're you know willing to take that on um but compressing the spring can be a little bit tricky so you know basically makes it so the customer can uh you know do the job themselves and then take it to get the alignment yeah, yeah, because um, that was going to be my next question is like, how much of the products can people do themselves? And it seems like, unless they're afraid to do it, it seems like they can pretty much do it all themselves, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say we try to make everything so that everyone can install it, um, you know, and we we don't necessarily get into like the really kind of hardcore super modified stuff you know we try to make this stuff to where if you changed your mind or you want to turn your leased car back in you know you can kind of undo all this stuff yeah and uh you know you don't need to weld or cut or drill or do, do anything like that to install you know 99 percent of the stuff that we sell and do you only sell through the website or do you have any distributors anywhere that sell your products? Yeah, we have some distributors. Um, 
And then we have some Subaru dealerships that sell. Um, we don't do a ton. I think we've been we've been building a list here that we're going to release out there. Um, typically, it's like a installer shop. Yeah. That, uh, you know, they will uh, they'll know a little bit about our product um, to help the customer, and then they you know they can install it for the customers that don't want to do it themselves. Yeah. Do you have any, um, I guess, do you have people writing in and giving like telling stories of, or testimonials of stuff that they've experienced with their skid plates of, you know, maybe some mishaps and it saved them. Oh yeah. And I've got, you know, like 20 years of photos of (laughs) carnage kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty cool. Do you have like a favorite story that anybody's uh, told about it? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the favorite story. Uh, well, so it's a product that we don't actually do anymore, so it might not be the best example, but we had a customer, we had a brush guard that we used to make. Uh, we used to make these tubular brush guards and they got to be a little bit too bulky and too difficult to manufacture for us to keep up with. And so we had dropped them. It was something that I was in the shop kind of making myself before I was the owner. Um, Okay. And I, you know, kind of made the executive decision, like we can't do these anymore, but um, it had like a grill guard up kind of up to the hood level. And this customer was driving through the middle of Nevada, kind of the middle of nowhere. And he hit a deer and it, it, you know, it caught the, it caught the top edge of this grill guard and it it bent it pretty good, but it didn't, it didn't do anything to the car. And the, uh, the customer basically drove straight from where he was at in the middle of Nevada up to where we're at in Portland, Portland, Oregon, just to tell me about it. It was was kind of an eccentric customer. And I probably have some other stories about him that, (laughs) <laughs> maybe for another time yeah uh, that's funny man that's like that's a long trip too yeah yeah i mean obviously retired guy um, <laughs> yeah nothing better to do i guess mm-hmm. yeah and on the uh on the website it says that there's uh the primitive racing fields to subaru rally cars can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah so the that uh that's probably a little bit out of date um and that was i think referring to uh, Paul's rally cars. He had a, yeah, he had a 2004 STI, which he, he totaled in 2009 and we had it up on the wall, like all the body panels as the (laughs) the wallpaper for a long time. That's cool. Um, and it was, that was old yeller. He named it. And, and so rest in peace, old yeller. And then he had a 2008, STI that he would rally as well, um, which he's since sold. Um, but but we do have we do have a shop rally car. It's my rally car. Um, so I guess we need to update that. <laughs> so what is the? Uh, I, and I'm guessing he probably doesn't do the primitive rally school anymore. So it's not the primitive rally school anymore, and that was um, part of the part of the sale 
was that he wanted to keep the rally school. Um, so now it's Paul's rally school. Oh, and, okay. And so that transition kind of coincided with, with COVID unfortunately. So yeah, there hasn't been a Paul's rally school yet. Okay. Um, but you know, I think he'll probably get something going pretty soon here. Yeah. And that's, yeah. uh, that's actually how I started working for the company was, was, uh, being an instructor at the rally school. Oh, that's cool. And now you're the owner, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So are y'all, are you looking to expand the line of products that you offer going beyond just skid plates and everything that you offer now? Are there any other products that are in the works or that you're like maybe other, um, I guess, brands you're wanting to represent and sell? Yeah. So I, I think that mostly we're looking to fill the catalog for kind of the existing offerings. So we have skid plates for basically everything. And then we have suspension for basically everything. And then we have like some rock sliders, rocker guard kind of things for a few of the models. And so the goal would be to add those for uh, more of the other models, mostly older and then some of the newer. And then uh, we also have some winch mount um, solutions. So you can take a little uh, worn winch and mount it um, behind your bumper. And so we need to uh, design those for some of the newer models and maybe some of the older models as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's cool. um, and then as in terms of brands, um, we're expanding into some um, different brands for, for motorsport, for rally racing, uh, Rieger suspension. It's kind of like the, the best rally suspension you can get. Um, we've been, when working on building some inventory uh, for those um, kind of providing where there was kind of a hole in the market and then uh, speedline wheels where we're working on importing a bunch of those. Yeah. That's good that, uh, you know, to expand and um, offer more products. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is a lot of that's kind of race car stuff. It's a little bit different than, most of what we do, mm -hmm. but I think it's, I think it's important to like chase that passion. Um, and that's, you know, that's what makes us primitive racing. Yeah. So you said that your mom has a cross track. Yeah. My mom has a 2013 cross track. Okay. Is it, uh, is it heavily modded out? <laughs> Cause no. you, you said you have a skid plate on it. No, no, I think it's, it's probably got the prototype on it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's cool. I mean, that's, that's the way, that's the way these, these things happen. Um, yeah, I don't, I, she probably didn't even want it. I just borrowed her car <laughs> and here you go. Yeah. Here you go. You're, you're good now. So my wife's, my wife's cross track is pretty modded. It's got, it's got all the skid plates and the lift kit and wheels. And I think it's even got the, the Subaru two pot, four pot brake upgrade kit on it. Yeah, that's cool. And what do you, what do you drive? I drive a Toyota Tundra. Oh, that's come on. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, being a shop owner, uh, the pickup gets used a lot. Oh yeah. For picking sure. Picking up, picking up stuff from suppliers and that kind of thing. Yeah. 
So I drive the I drive the Crosstrek sometimes. Yeah. I've, um, I think that the uh, Tundra is probably gonna just get retired to shop duty pretty soon here. I mm-hmm. we my wife and I just had a baby. Oh, and, congrats! Uh, the the Tundra is not the best family vehicle. I've always kind of liked the Ascent, but that new Outback Turbo is pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, there's uh, definitely plenty to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you're finally able to get them again now, too. Yeah. That's good. It's definitely good. Um, so what kind of warranties do your products have? So the, the King Springs have a lifetime warranty for the original owner on the original car. Okay. And so if, so if they sag beyond a certain amount or if they break or something like that, you know, they will warranty them, um, for the life of the vehicle for the original owner. And that being said, um, I have never warrantied any of them for sagging. So I've never seen that happen. And then, I think only one or two of them have broken in the 20,000 some that we've sold. Wow. Um, that's really good. The, yeah, they make a high quality spring. Um, the, the primitive products, we don't have, you know, a mile long lawyer written, um, warranty, <laughs> but we're satisfaction guaranteed. Yeah. So, um, you know, basically give us a call and we'll figure it out. No, that's good. And where, so where are y'all located? We're in Tigard, Oregon, which is a suburb, you know, 10 minutes south of Portland. Okay. All right. And, uh, is it, I guess it's always been in that location. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's always been here. So what do you what what do you kind of envision for primitive, you know, for the next few years coming up other than just, you know, you've, you know, you've got some new products that you're doing, but do you have kind of like a a grander vision of what you want primitive to be and like where you want to see it and uh I mean, are you looking to maybe partner with or have sponsors and stuff or ambassadors for um primitive? Yeah. Um we have been working at building an ambassador program. Um, I, like I may have mentioned, we've been working on a new website and with the website will be, a an official ambassador program. Cause we, uh, we get a lot of requests for, uh, sort of sponsorships and brand ambassadors. And, um, you know, I think it's important to have that, uh, to have that part of a, you know, kind of a, something people are so passionate about to have that engagement. And so we're just trying to figure out the best way to implement that. Okay. And do you have kind of like a, um, I guess a vision or an idea of what you would want your ambassadors to, to do for primitive or what their role would be? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the part that we're still trying to work out. I mean, obviously we want to find, people that will represent our values and, um, you know, just kind of do what they enjoy 
with our products. Yeah, definitely. Was there, um, is there anything else you want to let people know about Primitive before we, uh, I guess, finish this up? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess look out for that ambassador program. I mean, we've certainly been, some people are probably getting a little bit impatient because the, the website um, is a long process to put together. Um, but, you know, be patient and it'll be worth it. Yeah, that's good. It's good to know. Well, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to be on the podcast and, uh, you know, for sharing the story and um, about the products and everything and answering all the questions. Yeah. It, thanks for having me on here and, uh, you know, keep keep doing the podcast. I really like listening to it. Um, thank you. Yeah. And I'm going to have to I'm going to have to catch up on some of those episodes. Yeah, they're uh, they're. I can't believe I'm already uh, so this one will come out later, but uh, I can't believe I'm already up to episode 15 at this point with that we're recording this. So yeah, it seems kind of crazy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. There's definitely going to be more. So that's, that's for sure. Um, there's cool. a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of people out there um, that I still haven't even, you know, connected with, I'm sure. And there's a pretty good long list right now, which is I'm very, very thankful for. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, thanks again. And I hope you have a great night and I'm sure you got to, you know, get back in there and with the new baby and everything. So that's, that's super cool too. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my wife is probably, uh, ready for me to come home and, uh, (laughs) give her some relief. Yeah. No, that's good. All right, man. Well, have a good night. All right. Thanks, Raphael. You're welcome. Okay, so if you need some protection for the undercarriage of your car, you know where to head. Head on over to get-primitiveracing.com and also check out their Instagram page. Um, and, you know, check out all the other products that they have, too. Um, the uh, They're very well known for their skid plates, but they have a great array of other products as well. So check those out, too. Um, so thanks again for listening. Thanks again for sharing and for all of your DMs and comments uh, for rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't done that yet, please do so. Um, you can leave a five-star rating. That would be great. Uh, so we will see you next week on another episode. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah.